and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We're both property people running our own businesses and this podcast is just us chatting as we often do about anything and everything property. And every now and again, we have a little catch up on what's going on in our property businesses, property lives, investing lives. And we know from a while back that Simon was unlocking some capital to look for future investments. And we haven't heard much about that, Simon. So could you provide us all with a little update of where you're at on your investing, new investing journey? Yeah. So the, the, the background, if people don't want to go back and listen to, to the old episodes, which of course they should, but, but just in case they don't, I sold a property that was jointly owned and my portion of that, it was earmarked to provide a deposit for, for a new investment property, more local to where I am now, was my, was my plan. And hence, I've been keeping an eye on what's been coming up. And I've mentioned various ideas and oddities and things on past episodes. But for the last few months, I haven't really seen anything that's particularly caught my eye. But just in the last week, there have been three properties that have, have appeared on the, on the portals, on the property market, that have caught my eye. And I think, well, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if there is a slight softening of the market or people are, are starting to adjust prices slightly for the, the end of the stamp duty holiday. Or maybe these properties are just all falling down. I, I don't know, actually. But I, I just wonder if there's a little bit more flexibility appearing in, in the, the property market and what people are expecting and, and prices that they're asking for. So there are three properties that I've identified that are interesting. And I'm planning to, to actually book some viewings. So, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. I'm not going to tell anyone what these properties are just yet, because properties I think still are selling fairly quickly. So I don't, don't want to miss out on them if I can. can. So I'm hopefully have some viewings to report next time. So just quickly then, based on your desktop research and other research, you may have done some other research, you're saying that you're, you're seeing a slight dropping of prices or a lowering of prices. Is that right? Yeah, I think. Yes. So rents have been increasing a little bit. So that helps with my calculations because my headline figure that I look at is RRI, return on investment. So the return matters as well as the investment. So yes, rents have gradually been increasing. So they're feeding into the, the calculations at a higher level. And I think just recently, these, these properties have come onto the market at slightly lower lower levels. Although I think it's, it's re- really interesting. One of them I did look at, and it's in the same street as a property I considered years ago when I made my previous investment purchase. And that was five years ago, maybe. So it was, it was a while. And the property back then was was on the market for £340,000. And at that point, I, I decided against that one. There, there were a number of different properties I, I was considering. I thought that was a little bit overpriced. And, and I decided to offer and ended up buying on a different property. But anyway, property, same street. There's a row of terrace houses, all the same. Some of them have put conservatories on the back and some haven't. Some subtle differences, but, but mostly all the same. And there, there's been one that's come up recently that's come onto the market for 425000 So it just goes to show in, in real, real figures the difference from five years ago to, to today. And it's very interesting to, to break that down over those last five years. And that the large majority of that increase... So my, my sort of estimation, because I, I was a bit curious, I, I dug into this a bit. So five-ish years ago, 340,000. I think two years ago, it was still only around the 
360 level, maybe something in that re- region. So I think it's managed to go from a, a sort of reasonable asking price of 360 up to 425 in the last two years. Obviously, most of that being during the pandemic time. So it's a really, really big increases. I did work out the percentages. Unfortunately, I didn't write them down, so I don't have them to well, hand. The total percentage increase is just over 20% from 340 to give or take. And then your first increase was, was just under 10%. So that, that's really interesting that, you know, so between 10 and 15% increase in the last couple of years. And it's important to say, obviously, those properties are going to be southeast, south, you know, Greater London, southeast areas. Cause, yes. Yeah, yeah, so they, they are local to us in Red Hill. Yeah, which... For benefit of people, I, there is a lot of investment happening at the moment in and around Red Hill. Blocks of flats going up are plenty. Good infrastructure. It's a 20-minute train to central London from Red Hill. There's uh, a, a new kind of, I want to say multiplex. Let's see what happens with that. But that's coming up to being finished. So there's quite a few reasons why that increase would happen. No, no. It's a terrible place to buy. No one should consider <laughs> coming here to buy, buy properties in this area. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yes. I should have mentioned also that, yeah, I mean, there's just lots of people you wouldn't want to meet in Red Hill Town Centre, Simon and myself being two of those key <laughs> protagonists. Um, but uh, I, I always find it interesting because in the, in the area that I invested, I would say, and I've said this many times, but it's, I would call it flat. So if in five years it's increased by 5%, that would be probably about what I would expect. As always, you know, personally, I invest for the longer term, so it's not a big concern for me. But for anyone else in the rest of the country, I just sort of listen with their ears thinking, oh, my God, you know, 340 to 425, it's significant. But we're all looking at different levels. So moving on, before you manage to convince everyone to come in and be my purchasing competition, uh, I was going to mention some other things I've been thinking about following the, the sale I had and having a deposit basically sat in a savings account ready to ready to pounce into action. And of course, while it's sitting there, it's not doing anything. In fact, it's losing value. Interest rates on savings accounts at the moment are abysmal. And inflation is definitely higher than those savings rates. So my savings are losing value every day and it's depressing so i was thinking that perhaps i should do something better with them and i do want to keep a deposit ready to pounce so i'm not going to throw the whole deposit into something else that might be longer term or riskier but i thought perhaps i'd start drip feeding some in so at least i've got a, a foothold in other areas and, and i've played with cryptocurrencies which we've, we've talked about recently I'm, I'm not going to give another update on that today but i've started looking at shares and i think as a uh, as someone who doesn't want to be going heavily into learning lots about shares and trading and things the thing that attracts me is an index fund however i thought this would be easy i'll just find a a best buy table pick the top one and put some money into an index tracker fund and that'll be that a bit like a savings account but as far as i can tell having started looking into it it's way more complicated than that you have to choose a, a, a broker or a, a platform to actually provide you an account. And then you have to choose a fund or funds, if you want to spread your risk a bit, to actually then put money into. And some of them have flat fees for having an account or trading things or actually purchasing or, or selling, if you want to. Others charge a percentage 
fee based on how much money you've you've got invested with them. And it's just it's just way more complicated. But Stuart, you've actually got some shares in some kind of account. So what have you decided to do? Well, as I think many people know, I'm, I'm a little bit more gung ho than yourself. Uh, <laughs> I do I do do research just for the record. I do do research. But before I talk about that, the one thing I did want to say when you were talking about your deposit being ready for action, I did see a headline very recently in a, you know in a financial paper, and the headline was Challenger Banks. This isn't the exact headline because it's from memory, but you know Challenger Banks wading into savings accounts. And the article was about the fact that, you know, there's some key challenger banks now that are really putting pressure on the, the standard high street banks with much better interest rates. So obviously this caught my eye and I, and I looked into it. And those interest rates, you know, the, the, the challenger banks are challenging with are still just a shade above 1% interest. So as most of us you know, will know in property world, you know, interest rates, you know, anywhere between whatever, 0.05 up to 0.45, God knows what it is. But, and then I just thought, wow, so this is considered challenging. And as you've just talked about in real terms, this isn't making us money, even at, even if they were giving us 1.5%, you know, at the rate of inflation, we're still not making money if we leave that money there. So just thought, just thought it was worth mentioning that because that, that is, is quite current and yeah, yep. savings rate still not very yep, good. Totally agree. It's it's just really depressing, and I, my savings account isn't even that good. I ha- I have a zero point something. I'm not quite sure what. I think it might be zero point seven or something like that percent interest rate. That's I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yes. But back on to to the to the question asked. So, uh, like you, actually, I did look at index funds, and again, this was from I, I think just reading articles in the Financial Times at the time, and one of the big players, and also you've got the you know the top ten lists in there and i think vanguard which is the company i've used were there but like you i thought it was going to be quite simple that you know you just you go to their platform open up a product and 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 there it is but there are still lots of decisions to make however some of those i'd already made in my head so for example i knew that i wanted to either invest in the top 100 uk companies or the 250 i opted for the 100 so the FTSE. And that was just because at the time I was going in, it was when we were still were only just kind of looking at our exit of COVID in terms of financially anyway. So I kind of even had it in my head that I was going to go for a FTSE 100. And, and that actually helped me with a few things. But actually, when I went into Vanguard, the number of options there was ridiculous in terms of what we could choose. So I then did have to go back and do a bit more research but I just try to keep it really simple. And the one thing I would say that, that I did read about was that Vanguard's fees is, is a lot more, they're a lot more transparent and lower, I think, than competitors. By the way, I'm not, I'm not being paid. There's no affiliation here at all. It's just the company I used to do mine. There are, of course, many others to look at. Yeah, I, I think from my research, if I remember correctly, Vanguard charge a percentage-based fee. And it is very low. I think it's zero point two five percent, something, something like that. Yeah. Which, which I think from the the reading I've done, is is probably the the sort of best kind of fee you're going to get if you're investing. The precise I was reading was saying if you're only making a small investment of up to twenty five thousand pounds. Not sure that's really that small, but okay. So, so yeah. But if you're investing over twenty five thousand pounds, then actually the percentage fee can work out more expensive than some of the fixed fee 
accounts. So then you think, well, I'm definitely not investing more than £25,000 right now, but maybe in 10 years, I might have put that much in and it might have grown to that much. So then you have to think about what are the costs of getting out of that and into something else? And maybe you want to plan for the long term earlier on or, oh dear, I don't know. I think I'm overcomplicating it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess for me, in my simple head, it's it's either I start investing in companies themselves, which is which I have done in the past, like find a company, do research on it. And I think understanding is a big part of it. You know, the companies we're investing in, I've invest, always invested in companies that for me personally, I understand. I understand not necessarily their business model per se, but I understand it from a consumer perspective or what it is that they do. And actually that worked out quite well. But my biggest kind of determinant on this one was that I, I was just aware that the market was was already going up and I wanted just to make sure that we got into that. And I think Vanguard was one of the lowest percentage fees, if not the lowest percentage fee. And like you say, when they start talking about the larger numbers, I, I guess I just wanted to get in. And I, I've been pleasantly surprised. I think you know the last check, so I pay in monthly, which again, you know, is just, just something I wanted to do because my, my rationale is I'm happy for it to go up and down. Do you know, the key factor for me was actually building an account that was more difficult for me to take money out. As strange as that may sound, but I just wanted an account where I couldn't go, oh crap, I need to pay for the next bloody pair of football boots for the kids or get some blinds or whatever it may be and make it very difficult for me to touch that money. The good news is that since we've had the account in you know the last seven months, the total return is over 11% in seven months so where that will wash out in an annual return i don't know but of course that's significantly beating it if we'd left it in the account yes we still need to do the equation of what that's costing us but you know that's all coming out in the wash i think that sounds really really good i, I, I like the sound of those returns and it's, it's certainly an awful lot more than than i've got on my savings in the yeah. last seven months that's uh, really good so on a practical level the the vanguard website i mean we're there are other platforms, other brokers available. We're not recommending Vanguard because we're not sufficiently knowledgeable to do that. Or, or sufficiently paid by them. If we were sufficiently <laughs> paid by them, we would. <laughs> so we're just using it as an example because we've got some experience or Stuart has some experience with them. So uh, yeah, how, how practically, how does it work? Is it sort of just like making a, a savings account and then you send them some money? Or you, you said there's a, a big array of options once you've created an account. How? Yeah, what, what's the process? Well, uh, it's for me it's just very simple to set up a direct debit because that's what i wanted i want some money going away every month that that disappears before i can use it for uh, something else so just set up that direct debit and um, but once once you've set it up to to buy that number of shares so, so for example if I, I set up a direct debit for 150 pounds it will buy the amount of shares it can based on price fluctuations within that money so it does that every month and some months money gets left over as cash and so the interesting thing there is you'll have a pot, which is all your stocks and shares, and then you'll have a little cash amount. And the reason I talk about some complexities, so in the available cash pot, for example, there's just under £200, let's just say that. But it will say, you know, you, you've got this value, would you like to reinvest? And I thought, oh, actually, yeah, that'd be a good idea. And then, I, you, you know, you can click on that button to reinvest it. But then you get a whole host of more. So it's not just, oh, I just want to put it back in, you know, the back in the same pot. You can then look at, you know, the top category level, you've got blended funds, you've got equity funds, you've got fixed income funds. And please don't ask me what any of those mean, because I don't really. But I mean, we, we can take a guess for some of them. 
and, and you know they do have all have documents with it in terms of your risk uh, aversion or your risk tolerance and you know what you're looking for so some people are looking for you know ongoing returns so if you're a certain age you just want dividends or, or, or the like being paid back to you monthly or, or cash whereas someone like me i just want to put this away you know just want these payments going for 10 years but you can reduce that tolerance and also based on geographical location you know am i investing into so like for me on the main one it's FTSE 100 so just uk based companies but we can do that on a european level we can do that on a global level you can pick oil sectors you can pick it's called esg so you can go for the environmental so that, so there are a swathe of options you can look at and for someone like me you know entry level just looking at the for me it's the 100 250 my next decision for me i, I am looking at probably more global think thinking about the us that kind of thing but that will be a bit like you i want to do a little bit more research about those markets i don't want to be fully in uk yeah, I, I think I'm going to try and have a little bit of a, a collection of funds. Yeah, I think I'd like a little bit UK, a little bit global. I'm quite keen on doing something environmental, so I might try and find an environmental focused fund as well. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to overcomplicate it. So, so yeah, we shall see. I will, I will include some links in the show notes for for some of the sites I've been using for for research. If anyone's interested in going along and and having a look at those, but let's move on back to property. And Stuart, you have some good news, I think, about one of your properties. <laughs> well, this is a flat where we had a tenant who overstayed their welcome, regardless of being served notice, and wasn't very forthcoming with that information about when they would move out. It got to the end of the Section 21 period, and then the tenant said that they were going to leave. And never provided any evidence of that, but was adamant. So we, we were kind of left in this strange no man's land of thinking, okay, do I do I spend the money to, to get them out or do I actually wait and see if it's true? Well, I waited to see if it was true. And the good news is the tenant has vacated the property. We did ask the tenant to confirm the date so that we could take the keys back. And little caveat there, the tenant changed the locks on the front door without telling anybody. So that was something. But of most interest was on the, on the day that they left. So I asked the letting agent to go and have a look at the property because I wasn't local that day. The letting agent went to the property through the main door. So it's a, it's a flat in an old Victorian building on the, the flats at the top floor. And the front door was wide open. And turns out that the tenant said, I've left the keys in the kitchen drawer. The front door was open. Turns out the front door was left open because the front door no longer closes. So we have no idea the tenant has done and the tenant also said oh i am getting someone to come and pick up the fridge freezer which i've left in the garden and pick up the sofa now call me cynical but given our experience with this particular tenant who also was over five months in arrears in rent is that i don't think anyone is coming to pick up those goods so good news We've got the flat back. That's really good. It needs to have now have really good clean. And I need to look at uh, whether or not we're going to do what I now want to do, which is move the kitchen into the lounge area to make it a kitchen dining lounge area and give it a second bedroom, which is kind of what I wanted to do because I think we can do that at a fairly low cost. So we'll have a look at that. And yeah, then think about how we set about claiming what we need to claim from the tenant who's 
obviously gone MIA, left no forwarding information whatsoever. But, you know, the, the good news is we, we've got the property back. But, you know, as you know, I think something's come down to principle. And I think what we all find frustrating is when we are sort of open and transparent as we had been. Now, the honest to God's truth is if the, if the tenant had been transparent with me the whole way through, I potentially would have written off more than I needed to. In some cases, written off you know, 90, 100%. But the tenant has left the flat in a terrible state. And some floors you can't even see. Obviously, like I say, the front door is, I'm going to have to pay for the removals before the other neighbours start kicking off. So I've kind of been left in the lurch. I've been to- I wasn't told when someone was going. And I think regardless of what's going on in people's lives, I think you know, there also has to be some acknowledgement, but only within our circles, that you know, there is some mental duress to us as landlords, isn't there, to all this going on you know, as well. You know, we've, we've recently talked about your torts experience with animals being left behind. And you know, I, you know, people talk a lot about mental health at the moment. And of course, you know, we're, no one's going to play a violin for us, but of course there's a lot of challenges for us too in those situations. And you know, I, I, I don't want people to live their lives thinking, yeah, this, I can just do this and I can just pretty much do what I want. And, you know, so I, I won't be letting it lie, but according to the letting agent, the only way of finding out where she is is hiring a private detective. I think there are alternatives to me forking out money on private detectives. But if you do fancy becoming a private detective, Simon. Well, first of all, let me say congratulations on getting your flat back. That is obviously the primary objective. And then please accept my commiserations on the fact that they have left stuff behind which you now have to deal with (laughs) as we mentioned i have been through that before and my experience was i think a bit more complicated than yours but but yeah still it's it's not the simplest of things or indeed the easiest or low stress things to deal with so it's always a bit frustrating to have to do have you actually been back to the property now and and seen it yourself or are you going just on remote eyes report yeah, just going on remote eyes. I'll try and get down there in the next week or so to see what's going on. Although the letting agent has said that he knows of a landlord that might be interested and he'll take him to view the property. So it could be that we have some you know, positive news much quicker. But I was kind of reticent to for someone to go and walk around it knowing what a state it's in, because I'm pretty sure, well, my gut tells me that it, the person that walks around it will go, yeah, let's give them a really cheeky offer. Yeah. Because it's in the state. Yeah, quite. Not, not, knock off the amount it would cost to actually fix it up and then knock off a bit more for the fact that they, you have to do it yourself and, uh, and make that offer. Um, whereas you're actually in a position where you're, you can and you're willing to, to get it sorted yourself and not have to knock off that extra bit. Yeah. yeah. Do you know how much or how, how many other goods and things they've left behind? So obviously there's the sofa and the fridge freezer and you mentioned the floors uh, not always visible. Is that dirt or or stuff well it's it's both actually because i i'd actually been to the property recently when the tenant was there to well i say recently it was a few months ago now and i actually said to the tenant you know you need to clean this place it was it was it was horrible you know it's just quite clear that no cleaning was happening but it would just be just general detritus i know the kitchen was in a state and i remember saying at the time look if these things are broken you need to tell me and it was that the tenant had broken them themselves and you know, you know, other knobs melted off, standard stuff that we've all witnessed and broken drawers. But I said, you need to inform me because, number one, I don't really want my tenants living like this. But I think there was a fear of that whatever was said was going to come back to them. But, you know, for, for better or for worse, 
you know, I, I always kind of have give the benefit of the doubt to the tenant in the first instance. But, you know, do on strike too, so I, I would have sorted it. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to cost, I would suggest, a good few hundred pounds to get it, just even just to get a blank canvas back. And, and to be honest, it's probably somewhere between 500 and a 1,000 pounds just to get the flat into condition where I'd be happy to, to let someone start works on it. Have you got an idea of the cost to do the the improvements you're thinking of doing after that? Well, I think between three and five K, I think it's somewhere there. And really that would just be labor costs. I think, and this is another episode subject, I believe, but the it's the cost of materials right now that is forcing the prices of everything up, which is we've had challenges with scaffolding at the moment and because the dearth of timber. So it, it's really dependent on the cost of materials, but typically I'd expect a sort of cost of around three to 500. Sorry, three to five thousand. Yeah, three, three to five thousand pounds. Yeah, to you know, take the kitchen out, dispose of it, and then put a new one in. Cost of a new one, and obviously realign the services to that part of the front room. Nearly got it for a super bargain price there. So, is that in progress? Are you waiting on something before you set this going, or what stage are you at? Well, I'm just going to let the viewing take place now, and then I want to go down to the property myself, have a walk around with my own eyes and just see where we're at also with the builder to see what we can do most efficiently and then just have another look at the numbers because the differential isn't huge but you know we may be able to get an extra well it could be around ten thousand pounds which isn't insignificant but obviously the cost of work so if we spend five but we get an extra ten yeah five thousand pounds isn't insignificant to me right now so it's something i'd consider but then of course the the lower that margin is then the more i'll I'll think twice and maybe it'll just be do you know what we'll we'll get it cleaned we'll give it a buff and a fluff and we'll just get it back on the market and maybe you know just doing that will give us an extra few k well it will not maybe it will and that might be the route we go so so that uh, all needs to happen in the next couple of weeks Mm, well, listeners should stay tuned for the next update in, in some future week. We don't plan these very well in advance, so we don't know when it'll happen. It'll happen at some point. <laughs> yeah. But I think we're probably done for this week, are we, Stuart? I think we most definitely are. And those of you still listening, thank you very much. And please share your gratitude by just hitting that rating star to give us a rating. Really just help us to share the message of business of property and you know, we're, we're keen to just help everyone with more information in property, property investing, as demonstrated with our recent episodes with David and EIG. Anyway, other than that, for anything of any interest, head over to thebusinessofproperty.com where you'll get the show notes. And other than that, we'll see you next week. Yeah.